What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Along the Keel, a podcast dedicated to the brands that are being built outside. My name is Captain Zach, and in this week's episode, we talk to Britain and Austin, the guys from Viking Village and Couch Chronicles. Now, I will say this episode is a little bit different. Not only do we get into the story of how Viking Village came to be, but on a recent documentary called Seaspiracy, we also kind of sparked a conversation on the fishing industry as a whole and how conservation and fishing kind of collide, but in a lot of ways, it needs kind of a rebrand, if you will. And that's what these guys are doing. They're doing a rebrand to the fishing industry. It's a very cool concept and one that I can certainly get behind. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure to check out alongthekeel.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, like, share, and subscribe. And if you would, leave us a five-star review on Apple and iTunes. It means a whole lot. And all you have to do is scroll down, tap that five-star buttons, or write something nice if you choose to do so. And it makes my day. So wouldn't mind it. And it definitely helps us grow. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast featuring Viking Village and Couch Chronicles. I, I I I go back and forth between sours and IPAs and double IPAs. It's, a, it's kind of a double IPA. The hole I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> this is the Imperial. So okay, and where's that out of? I'm not sure where Kane was. I believe Ocean, New Jersey. Yeah. Okay, so they're kind of local. a lot of the local restaurants. Yeah, a lot of the local restaurants started carrying them, and I was at a liquor store the other day and just saw them on them. Oh, nice. All right, yeah. So. I can't say I'm a huge IPA guy. I'm more of an APA guy, uh, but there's a local mm. brewery up in Rhode Island um, called Whalers, and that's been kind of my mm. that's my go-to. You know, so I did a, I did a podcast with Ralph Crafty of Crafty One Customs, who's actually the guy who's mm. who's hat I'm wearing right now, and um, he's like, "What do you want to drink?" And I'm like, "Ah, you know, it's a Thursday, so I don't know." He's like, ah, "Would you want a beer?" I'm like, "Sure." I'm like, "I'll take an APA." You know, so that's kind of mm-hmm. the, the go-to there. But, um, you know, glad to have you guys here to talk about not just beer, but about something more important, <laughs> although beer is important, um, which is our the state of our fisheries, you know, and just kind of diving deep into what you guys do for that. And Austin, you know, we met over, you know, via the gram, you know, you, you kind of gave us mm-hmm. a shout out and, you know, very humbled by that because it's been cool to connect with people, you know, like you, you know, and the folks from rugged seas and, you know, so many people that are embedded into this industry and really learning more about the importance of it. So if you would like, how did you get involved into this fishing industry thing? Um, so we're down here on Long Beach Island, uh, in New Jersey. And, uh, I work for Viking village out of Barnegat light. We're seafood commercial producers. I, uh, Worked at a seafood uh, restaurant, actually, right within Viking Village, um, which I'll kind of explain terms of how that's a network, but um, worked at a seafood restaurant growing up. I loved being around seafood. Um, I loved to fish. Uh, and my brother-in-law is a commercial scalper. You know, he works uh, on a boat down in Barnegat Light with... with um, a lot of guys that I grew up with, a lot of, mm-hmm. um, you know, parents, just a lot of his friends. And uh, 
it's something that I was super, you know, exposed to being close with him. And it was just something that these dudes have a passion for what they do. Um, they're providing a super great uh, food source. It's sustainable uh, food source, especially in scallops, um, you know, along with a lot of our, our supporting fisheries that we have here at Viking Village. And uh, I got working there, working on my uh, college degree. I um, went away to school and came back and did a little bit more schooling. And I was working at Viking Village, just packing boats out, you know, shoveling ice, making boxes. And uh, mm -hmm. I just fell in love with being around um, the constant work, the hard work, the work ethic, you know, seeing seafood being sold across the country and just providing such a superior fresh product for uh you know for customers all across the u.s and um directly supporting our our local economy you know seeing local families yeah. do really well for themselves you know and it's just this whole cycle and uh i was addicted to it and um i approached my boss and said hey i want to take on a full-time role here and, and get involved. You know, I'm, I'm the youngest guy in the office by, by a bit and uh, mm -hmm. let me be that youth and that fire. And uh, you know, I want to fight for this industry and, and I want to implement, you know, the, the 21st century aspects of technology and um, <clears throat> an exposure and marketing within something that's just old school, you know, it, it's an yeah. old school system that works selling seafood. It's, it's amazing. It's been the same way for, for quite some time. And, uh, I wanted to make it new age and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm the receiving manager down there and, uh, I'm just, you know, basically in charge of all the seafood that we're receiving on average. It's about 5 million pounds of, of fresh caught American wild caught domestic seafood product. And it's fantastic. Holy crap. Yeah. Is that annually or is that? Yeah, that's, that's an annual number. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's truly pre COVID, uh, last year. And that, and that doesn't necessarily COVID didn't slow down fishing, uh, in terms mm -hmm. of like, there's less product because COVID's happening. Um, it's just the last year was an interesting management year. A lot of our boats, uh, you know, just, didn't have the seasons that they had before and due to weather conditions uh mm -hmm. and um you know if boats pack out elsewhere you know up in new bedford or something it's just it just weight coming and going but yeah that's about on average five million pounds and uh two yeah. million pounds of that is in sea scallops and uh wow a lot of scallops yeah holy shit yep the fisheries <laughs> that we have um are the are the sea scallops atlantic sea scallop monkfish um mm -hmm. winter skate uh winter skate wings that's that's caught along with the monkfish and that has a a great fresh market in europe um and that yeah. does what's your what's your out of, out of curiosity what's your take on monkfish because i've tried it once um i i enjoy it i just don't <laughs> enjoy uh the work that goes into preparing it it's it's quite a bit to to cut monkfish well um and i'm yeah. and i'm no pro um we don't cut fish at Viking Village. We sell all whole fish. It's all wholesale. You know, bags oh, of scallops, whole tunas, whole swordfish, head Literally on monkfish. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, we we also work with 
with smooth dogs, uh, spiny dogfish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those have big markets overseas, and uh, that's you know that covers the gill netters, and then we have a great um, supporting fisheries within tilefish, golden tilefish. That's mm-hmm. season's getting started off right now, and that's absolutely my favorite fish super good white flaky fish um really yep viking hmm. village yeah i can't say i've ever had a towel fish before yeah well i'll try to uh take care of that and uh send you <laughs> up some but um that's how we really got on the map uh mm-hmm. i'd be it'd be messed up to start this without you know paying respect to uh you know, Captain John Larson and Captain Lewis Puskis, uh, who started Viking Village, they uh, they grew up, you know, fishing out of Barnegat Light. Um, the independent fish company had a dock set up in Barnegat Light for Norwegian fishermen in the 1920s. And uh, it's predominantly a lobster production dock. And um, when the lobsters became scarce, it kind of transitioned into... Uh, you know, cod fishing and, uh, and different fisheries were explored. And then sea bass was another one, you know, with the lobster pots, figuring out, you know, how to get them through the the forties and the fifties. And then come the sixties and seventies, tile fish really started booming. And, uh, you know, these guys needed a place to pack out their tile fish. And in 1975, they bought a Viking village and, that's where it's got its name, but it's always been a fish dock since the 1920s there. And uh, huh. that was known as the tilefish capital of the world in the 70s, right there in Barney really? Lake. Absolutely. Yep. Interesting. It, it's, I always find it fascinating, you know, having, um, you know, going to school for fisheries and, you know, marine, marine affairs and all things ocean pretty much. Um, it, it's interesting to see the evolution of fisheries from back then to where they are now, you know, and it's not entirely based on just the fact that there's more availability of the species, but a variety of different markers, such as like market value and, and what people are eating and how they're consuming it and, and so on and so forth. Like, I think there's a big misconception there with, you know, oh, this fish didn't exist back then. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see that evolution of a fishery, you know, and and there's so many different things that go into that. But before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of the fishery, then, you know, obviously we have Britain here talking about the, the man behind the lens. Um, how did you get, like, why, why get into the fishing industry? Because as a young guy, like, and seeing all these older guys, it's it's a unique industry to get into. You know, and even even from my perspective, like being a captain, there's not a lot of young guys doing this, right? Right. So, what what was kind of the the push for you to get into it? Um, well, certainly, I think there's there was a need where I was for for what I could do. You know, I thought I could fill in, uh, in and accommodate you know a company in in a few ways. And it's a company that I loved working for. It's a company that I believed in. You know, I knew Captain John from, you know, just a young child and and my boss as well. And and these are people that I have a lot of respect for and admiration for. And uh, I just 
have such a connection with where I live and I have such a connection with the ocean in terms of just growing up on the island, being an ocean lifeguard for almost a decade, um, mm -hmm. you know, boating, you know, just all my travels have always brought me to see more of the ocean in other places. And, um, just to see how we could support ourselves in the local economy in such a big way. Uh, you know, doing something that is truly so, like, I, I don't think people always get to see how excited people are to get our product. Like, it's, mm. like, if someone, it's like, oh, my God, I had some of your guys' scallops the other night. It was just such a monumental deal, you know, because our product is just that great. And I just love being able to help provide such a great product that comes from the ocean, you know, and that mm -hmm. is being, you know, we'll get to some, some more into sustainability, but it's truly a sustainable like model. They're responsible harvesting, responsible fishing, you know, we're leaders at Viking village in terms of, having a program that emphasizes responsibly caught fish and uh, ensuring minimal imp environmental impact. And that's something that I truly believe in as well. And, and our fishermen do too. And it's just such a big network of people at Viking village from mm -hmm. the, you know, the diesel mechanics to the welders, to, to everyone that I work with, to all the crew members and the captains. It's, you know, some 200 people working out of Viking Village in the summertime. Wow, and, holy crap. You know, it's just, there's characters, man. This is, people mm -hmm. have been in this business a long time and and you believe in them and you believe in what they're doing and you want to see them do well and, and you find yourself doing well along the way. And it's just something I got sucked right into and, you know, I'm excited to see where the future holds you know what the future holds and yeah and I'm, i just know we have such great leadership and uh such passion and, and commitment to the fisheries uh along with people like britain you know directly supporting our mission and and improving the image of american fisheries and the american fishermen and totally getting the message out to people how important it is to know where your seafood's coming from, eat local seafood, eat wild caught mm -hmm. seafood of the United States. You're directly supporting families. You know, you're directly enjoying such a great product that's fresh, never frozen. You know, like it's just mm -hmm. such a great mm -hmm. model and that people just, one thing COVID really introduced to people is cooking seafood in the home. And we want to see this run mm -hmm. because even though we're not retailers, we're providing, you know, a product out there for, for retailers across the U S and, and other, you know, right. distributors to have. And, yeah. and we truly believe in our product and how it's, yeah. and how it's yeah, caught. Well, yeah. And well, by the way, you make it sound like I, I, I would imagine that it would be pretty easy to get sucked into doing that. Yeah. You know I mean? And it's, you know, there's and a lot of passion there and, I, I and, talk and it's about, cool to see that there's, go ahead. Yeah. Excuse me. I didn't just, I talk about scallops a lot in, it's so much more than that. It's the tuna. It's the swordfish. It's the monkfish. Mm -hmm. It's it's outstanding. The the quality of our product, the fluke, you know, it's just from the guys we purchase from to the guys we pack out. It's just 
it's a great product to stand behind and uh i want you know the world to to see what we're doing how we're doing Mm -hmm. it doing it the right way and uh Mm -hmm. we have a great product to provide you you know yeah yeah not only that but you're supporting you know a culture uh, a community an economy and so on and so forth but you know there's like this weird as you know as we kind of continue to evolve as a as a culture there's been this weird you know thing going on where the fisheries they don't get as enough recognition as they deserve right and i think britain like you know you coming in and doing a lot of this this photography around the fishing industry and you know i was looking on your instagram earlier today and i kind of dove you know through it a little bit i mean man you're taking some pretty incredible shots so you know i think thank you i think first thing it's like how do you even get into photography and then why the fisheries like why why was that your your modality I mean, there's a few different answers for that. I mean, starting point, I guess, would be, you know, picked up photography in college, I guess, mm-hmm. a sophomore year-ish. Um, just took it as a class that was part of a prerequisite for just my major and, you know, graphic design. They wanted you to kind of touch on all the different creative fields. And I just really fell in love with it then and there. You know, having access to like a checkout room in college where the stuff wildly beyond, you know, a college kid's dreams mm-hmm. of, you know, being able to afford, but you had this access to it. So I was really lucky in the sense that I got the chance to kind of play around early with cameras and really fall in love with it. And it's always kind of been an extension of my hand, whether it be a camera phone or a camera. And then, you know, fast forward several years and here I am. And it's just kind of like my hobby, my passion outside of graphic design, just something that I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not necessarily like behind a computer. It gets you out in the world, you know, puts you on scene on location. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just really, you know, thrive off of that. And now you throw COVID into the mix. You know, I always just shot like, oh, I feel like taking pictures today, whatever the subject may be. And then you fast forward to COVID. And right before that, Austin was talking to me about, you know, he was going to revamp the website, social media, you know, that I've been around, you know, growing up in LBI. And I I have photos of Viking Village just by, you know, everyone goes there and takes a picture here and there. You know, he asked me if I, you know, could provide him some stuff, some content for the website. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd rather come home and, you know, spend a weekend taking pictures and provide those to you rather than, you know, give you some of my older stuff. And then COVID happened and I was just sent home for to work from home. Mm-hmm. And Austin touched a little bit on um, Captain John Larson. Well, um, my girlfriend is Anna Panasek, uh, Austin's boss, Ernie Panasek. Um, and then, oh, all oh, right. sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Anna's grandfather is Captain John Larson. So she's has a, you know, affinity for the dock and being there. And, you know, we were both home for COVID. And it's just like, let's take a walk in the morning with coffee. Started as simple as that. You know, I'll bring my camera, take a couple pictures mm-hmm. here and there. Turn into more of a regular thing. Her and I just taking, you know, five, six days a week, taking a walk and, you know, bring the camera with me a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then, you know, a little bit into that, you know, maybe within a month of being home, kind of dawned on me, it's like, hey, why don't we turn this into like a, you know, a project? And that's how the docks formally came to be it just like i really wanted to highlight something near and dear to me mm-hmm. you know austin spoke about it like growing up here you have so many different connections whether it's old classmates people you lost contact with but then you know come back home and you, you see what they're doing and it's just there's just so much you know passion at that dock and there's just so much hard work and it's something that i always kind of took for granted like i knew it was there i grew up five miles down the road from it but did i really take an in-depth look at it did i really take a chance to you know really dive into mm-hmm. it and that's how it came to be. It's just 
well, let me get pictures of boats. And then as I got more uncomfortable or more comfortable taking pictures of boats and like the docks, I started, you know, reviving old friendships, meeting new people, becoming kind of a common face down there. So, so well, if you're okay with me being around, like I'm going to get right up in your business and, you know, take shots of pack outs, you know, the boats coming in and out. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of really, you know, spiraled to what it is right now out of control. It just, I got addicted. I love being down at <laughs> the docks. I love talking to Austin. I love going, you know, around with my girlfriend, taking walks with Anna because, you know, she loves that place too. Like we stop by, say hi to her dad in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of just like a really great way to start the day, especially knowing that I have a day job, you know, after all that is said and done mm-hmm. to get into. It's like, let me get out of the house. Let me enjoy this. And it, I mean, I like it for so many different reasons, but really just wanted to bring some, you know, nice light to the commercial fishing industry because, you know, with all the seafood restaurants around and people that love seafood, but really don't understand where it comes from or and like who's, mm-hmm. who your face is behind this. Like kind of like the act of, you know, know your farmer. It's like, well, know your fisherman too. Um, right. It's just right. plenty of local great product. It's, you know, it's sustainable. It's been here for, you know, forever, essentially. It, it's a hidden gem down mm-hmm. here. And these guys are always, you know, busting their ass working hard and, you know, none of them is going to stop and be like, hey, can you take a picture of me with, you know, doing my job? And I think a lot of them have seen themselves right. now on the other end of the <laughs> lens. And they're like, holy shit. Like, I mean, they're proud of what they do first and it's foremost. Cool. And then being able to like have, you know, pictures and see it. And then, you know, their wives, their girlfriends, you know, family members, moms, mm-hmm. dads are kind of just like messaging me and be like, oh, that's my son. That's my, you know, you know, that's yeah. my, uh, you know, father-in-law, like blah, blah, blah. Like it's just, <laughs> there's just, yeah. there's just so many different things going on and it's, it's cool to see the connections. And I think it, you know, is nice to show like, you know, that kind of appreciation for people that are, you know, doing a job that, you know, not everyone's cut out to do. Right. And it's just, right. it, I mean, it's just cool to me. It became a project. It's something that I, I mean, I truly enjoy. Uh, it, it gave me a purpose behind photography, not just like, I'm going to go out today and just take a picture. It's, you know, at this point now, it's been about a year of shooting the same type of stuff every day. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's only gotten better and more fun. And, you know, the guys will message me on Instagram or text me like, Hey, we're coming in or Hey, we're going out or I'll message them. Cool. I see them post a story about themselves, like taking on ice in the morning. It's like, Hey, what's your schedule? Like, where are you going out? Yeah. Same That's thing with awesome. some of the captains. It's just, you know, building these relationships, walking around with Anna, walking around with Bub, saying hi to them in the morning. Like, it's just, it's yeah. been, it's been a cool experience, you know, from every aspect, every angle. And just building relationships and it's just like become such a fun thing in the morning be like say hi to people just walking on the docks and it's mm-hmm. i become such a common face and see the same people and all it's not like a weird thing anymore it's just very much like oh there's a guy with the camera some of the guys will joke with me some right. of the guys will just come up <laughs> and say hi and it's just it's just fun yeah well you know what you guys both mentioned like well you both mentioned a hard work right which i thought that was really interesting how you guys did that together and then also you know the sense of community right and you know coming from experience like Growing up on the water, there is something really, really special about it, right? Because there's so many things going on on the waterfront. And um, just a side note, the uh, this the name of this podcast before it was the previous name was actually going to be "What's on the Waterfront," and and that was kind of you know paying adage to growing up near the water, really learning mm-hmm. about you know the fishing industry and all these other industries that take place on the waterfront, and you know it it the the show the content still holds true and, and i think it's really interesting that you know going down on the docks is not just going for a walk on the docks right, right. you're going there to build relationships you're going there to learn you're going there mm-hmm. to participate in a in an, in an event if you will that has been going on for centuries right here in the united states and 
quite frankly, although the technology is improved, the processes are more efficient, the there it's, it's probably a lot more, you know, sustainably and, and there's more data around things, but it's still the same thing. You know, it's still guys Mm -hmm. unloading, offloading boats, boats going out, boats coming in. Like this, this culture around the fishing industry is so special. And, you know, I think you're, you guys are doing something really cool by highlighting that because it's not something that gets done, you know? And, and then if, when it does get done, it either gets done a really poorly. And then that leads people to believe that, you know, the fishing industry is a bunch of guys going out and ravaging, right. The the oceans, which, Mm -hmm. which is not true. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I just, um, I was talking to Austin a little bit earlier. Um, you know, I, I, I recently tuned into this documentary called sea spiracy on Netflix, you know, at Britain. Have you heard about it before? I've seen a lot of posts and a lot of things okay. about it, and I haven't taken the time myself to watch it yet. I want to put myself in the right mental state for it <laughs> from what I've seen everyone saying. Well, um, it, it, but it, it, I, I get the general idea behind it so far. Yeah. What everyone's been saying. And, you know, coming from a background of, of studying fisheries and marine affairs throughout college and, and continuing to do so, I tuned in with, with kind of the same mentality of like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in with this to see what they have to say and not take it at face value, right? Because I think in mm-hmm. any documentary, there's going to be good things to learn and good things to take away from, right? And there's going to be stuff that you don't want to see that's that's truly reality. But at the end of the day, we all we have to put this into context, right? And unfortunately, from what I saw, they didn't highlight the U.S. fishery, right? And they painted this broad, they, they took these broad strokes on the entire industry as a whole, and they didn't actually narrow it down to the United States, to Viking Village, to really tell them the story behind the men and women that are on the waterfront and that truly care about the ocean because they realize that if we go ahead and quote, quote, ravage our oceans, well, we're not going to have any fish to go fish for, right? Sure. And for some reason, people don't believe that fishermen don't realize that. <laughs> yeah, um, it's... It's if, you know, if someone's listening to this wondering how the heck does it work, you know, well, depending on what fishery you're in, the government, federal or state, is telling you this is how much product you're allowed to catch, you know, species wise, uh, you know, in this time span, whether it's a year, whether it's you can have this much per week during this span of time, you know, and then that'll change come a certain month. The rules and regulations in the fishing industry in the United States are incredible. And I don't mean that in, they're incredible because I love them. It's just incredible because there's <laughs> so many. And they enforce yeah. them strictly. You know, the guys who abuse these rules and regulations, which they make very clear what they are, and, you know, responsible harvesters make themselves aware of what's allowed, obviously, you know, this is their livelihood. They're not going to go out there and throw that all on the line. You know, if they're going to go and ravage the oceans or, or fish very irresponsibly, you know, they're, they're going to get caught and they're going to get, you know, they're going to be forgotten about because they're not going to be allowed to participate Mm. in such an industry. And what's amazing is the amount of people in Barnegat Light where we work, that go take the time to do the cooperative research with our federal government, with our state, with 
universities, you know, within between Delaware, New Jersey, you know, New York, these guys are traveling, advocating, teaching, you know, our fishermen are a lot more than, than just, you know, single mode people. These guys, whether they're electricians, plumbers, diesel mechanics, hydraulics, I mean, these guys are so skilled because they're keeping themselves alive out there, eh? You know, they're on their boats doing what they do. That boat's got to stay working. And you're not a smart fisherman to go fishing and not fish safely, you know? So mm-hmm. we have, a you know, just a hell of a crew of guys working on, on the boats here in Barnegat Light. And then second to that, these are guys who are concerned about what's my livelihood going to look like in 15, 20 years. Like, I need to make sure that we're doing all we can do to ensure the the healthy stocks and make sure that these stocks are not overfished and that there aren't stocks that are currently being, you know, that where overfishing is occurring, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's just so strict and tight and proper in the U S commercial fishing industry that they've only left you with one shit with one chance. You work every mm-hmm. day to prove that you are not guilty. Every day right. you're out there proving that you mm-hmm. are not guilty. You're reporting everything you catch. Okay. You're doing it in front of the eyes, whether it's federal officers, state officers, they're, they're checking your vessel. They're checking your catch. They're making sure all your paperwork matches up. All my paperwork mm-hmm. as the dealer matches up. And then I go on to report everything to the federal government, you know, after the fact. It's it's super transparent. And the second that there's an issue in one of these stocks, the second that there's an issue with, with say, one of the companies involved in, in a fishery that, you know, is just not doing the right thing, they're investigated and they're penalized and, and they're done with. And, and the U.S. Yeah. is number one in terms of fisheries management. And it's because... They've been able to bring, and not always, you know, I, it's taken time for, for fisheries management to evolve and to get the research done. And with technology, the research is getting more clear as to, as to how to manage each fishery year by year. And no, it pisses a lot of people off, a lot of fishermen off, not everyone's happy. And, and fishermen, you know, they don't have a choice if they want to fish in the U.S. And their their opinions are constantly just show me some respect let me do what i do best and know that what i'm doing i'm doing responsibly for the good of the ocean and because i'm a law abiding citizen and it's mm-hmm. just it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around you know just some of the messages i got this weekend because i was just you know putting out this message like hey us fishermen are the backbone of our coastal economies here you know like these Mm -hmm. guys go through so much scrutiny that they are constantly fighting for their spot at the table whether it's you know the the wind energy that we're worried you know Mm -hmm. it's it's not that oh fishermen are are against renewable energy resources what who said that we just want a spot at the table for this conversation you know it's right you know there's there's so much going on in the federal government with with what's moving around and and Biden came out and said he wants to take an aggressive move on on renewable energy. Well, hey, let's not be so aggressive. Give us a chance to talk as fishermen 
about this mm-hmm. ecosystem. Let us educate you. Don't go out spending billions of dollars on something that we haven't even tested. Let's find a standard, a national standard, and work from there. You can't just jump right into something and completely destroy our livelihoods. You know, how is that right? Mm-hmm. And and it's... Yeah, I think it's it's this balance, right? Yeah. It's this concept of, of balance. It's like, okay, we need to allow everyone to, all the stakeholders to come together yep. to have their seat at the table, to have a discussion. Yes. We're not saying that, you know we're not i mean obviously right there's we can we can both agree that there are bad fishermen just like there are bad people sure there are bad hunters there are good hunters there are that you can add any industry just plug in whatever industry you want and there are bad people and good people right there are people that have poor intentions and good intentions so you know it's just it's it's watching you know movies like or documentaries like Seaspiracy, which focused so far much on the what has been poorly done, mm-hmm. right? And what we have learned from and and not highlighting and not putting into context what is actually going on out there, right? And and some of the good things that have come about with the evolution of fishing. Because yeah, I mean, certainly the cod stocks earlier, you know, in, in the earlier, you know, uh, 21st century we're being depleted right mm-hmm. but now we're realizing okay we need to have better sustainable you know fisheries practices and you know things like the striped bass here in rhode island right mm-hmm. striped bass fishing has come back tenfold you know within the past like decade or so well that's because we put a lot of attention towards that fishery right so again it's this balance like everyone needs to be able to make money right because at the end of the day unfortunately it's this green thing that we need to exchange in order for us to all live happy and well, right? But right. we need to have this balance between sustainability, you know, preserving and conserving our ecosystems and our fisheries, but at the same time, be able to also sell that fish too, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that is what's really here is at the, at the crux of it all is almost like this rebrand of the American fishery, right? Because for right. so many years, I feel like what has happened is people have gotten into this whole naysay mentality, right? And fishermen kind of get the, the the butt of the joke, mm-hmm. right? When in reality, it's these hardworking men and women on the waterfront that they are the conservationists. Now, I'm not saying everyone is, right? But I'm saying the majority are, just like hunters, right? The reason why we have the national park system is because hunters decided that they, they wanted to continue to hunt. Just like fishermen want to continue to fish, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same idea. And I think when people start to realize that it's really this balance between conservation and capitalism and, and, and like you said, having a seat at the table when, you know, big things such as wind energy come up into play, it's, uh, it's just being able to have your voice that that's heard, but also listened to. Right. You know, and, and that's exactly why what we're doing online with social media is just instrumental and, and how Britain's just been such a key resource and, and helping personalize these problems. You know, people follow us for say six months, they start to see different faces, different boats, different products, you know, they, not that they're going to grow attached to anyone through a screen, but they're going to be like, huh, I wonder if that guy's got kids. wonder if he's got a wife. wonder what, you know, this, Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's like, wow, he's human. He has a soul, you know, he's away from his family for how long doing his thing. And why is it that the guys who have to work so hard have to fight so hard to do what they love? Because they're following the rules. 
and at least I mean I'm talking about about the gentlemen that I work with, you know, and they've they're rule followers, and if they're not, they're fined, and there's a lesson that's taught, and it's nothing like whoa, like this guy's really messing up, you know, like sometimes right. you're off over certain amount of weight and someone's there to see it and it's like well shit but guess what there's checks and balances and and just personalizing the the struggle just the struggle within regulation the struggle within environmentalists thinking that Mm -hmm. we are just the worst people that exist like we put such a huge amount of focus in communicating with noaa you know, NMFS, mm-hmm. you know, Rhoda, which is the Responsible Offshore Development Alliance. They've made a lot of great statements on on how we as a company feel, um, you know, as as fishermen who rely on these on these areas to make livings. And um, it's just such an integral network of people that work so tightly with each other that there's just no room for, for, you know, taking advantage of the ocean for what, with what Mm -hmm. we're doing. And it's just, that's why I want people to see, like, I can't show you what Britain isn't probably going to be able to show you with a camera, you know, how sustainability is, is working out at Viking village. No, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but you can go ahead and see that like our scallop dredges, they have changed. They are turtle dredges now when you're fishing down south, you know, and, you know, most of the areas right out front and down south, it's mandated that you use turtle dredges. So turtles aren't getting in the dredge and they're safe. And whether it's turtles mm-hmm. or, or months where you can't fish for dolphins and marine mammals to pass through or whether mm-hmm. it's the surveillance cameras that are on some vessels to make sure that they aren't fishing in the times that they're not allowed to be fishing in a certain area or they aren't doing these things. These are all things that exist in that these guys are just trying to do their job and they have surveillance cameras on their boat. So the government can see what they're doing. And it's like, Hey, we're not sitting here asking the government to put surveillance cameras on them and make sure that they're following all the rules under our spotlight. And it's just, you know, we are under attack constantly. And that's what together with Britain and I, I feel like I'm helping together you know both of us are helping personalize seafood personalize fisheries and and show that there's a lot of soul a lot of character and a lot of good people and good intentions in all of this and that this is how coastal communities do make their money and that this is we directly support so much else where we live you know whether it's restaurants Mm -hmm. whether it's read you know fish markets whether it's yeah tourism tour- yeah so and it, yeah. it just delves Everything. you know on and on and you know field trips come to viking village to see what's going on here you know and we teach them about sustainable sustainability and we talk about you right. know what the threats of climate change are and you know and where you don't sit here and deny that ocean acidification is happening these are all huge That's threats that we are you know we will work we want to work with scientists and i know that these scientists will probably you know be provided and the ones we'll work with will be from the government and that's great we need that and there's Mm -hmm. no denying that there's not cooperation between us and the government there is but it's just that's 
that's what I want people to hear. You know, that's what I'm saying to you right now is just like, we are not ravaging the ocean by any means. We fish under strict guidelines, which are set up by very intelligent fishermen and people who have studied this. And we have mm -hmm. business, economics, you know, science, data, all these things working together to make management plans mm -hmm. for our fisheries. And, and we only have one choice to follow it. And, and I just really, that's the conspiracy. I didn't see it. Um, I heard from one of someone who was, you know, very vocal in the seafood industry, uh, you know, mm -hmm. commercial fishing advocate. He sent me a statement about it, you know, to get out from Rhoda. And I said, oh, I haven't seen this. And he said, don't bother. Like, it's just gonna, it's not, they didn't get fact checked, you know, straight up. It's, and, mm -hmm. and it's just to be under the scrutiny of so many people. Um, you know, just being fishermen, being uh, wholesalers, uh, you know, just whatever it is or whatever your role is within the industry, it's what we're doing. We have no bad intentions. And right. And we just feel like we're getting attacked from every which way, whether it's the government, whether it's environmentalists, whether it's people who simply just don't believe in being on the ocean at all you know that's 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 them mm. they don't deserve to be killed you know and it's just why why do you not believe in sustainable uh meat source protein right. source you know well, and, and that and that's kind of the thing for me like when i watched that movie and you know i i i'm not a vegan i'm not a pescatarian i'm not you know it's just i eat fish i eat beef i eat all sorts of stuff right so for me when they when it, when the answer after that, when after I watched that, and the answer to solving the issue was don't eat fish, and and don't fish at all, right. and don't go in the ocean. It, that's such a cop out, right? Yep. It doesn't make sense. If you wanna, if you don't wanna die in a plane crash, don't fly on planes. Well, no shit, right? It's like, yep. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. That's such an easy answer to any to anything. So I guess when you guys are kind of going about rebuilding this brand in a sense and kind of Britain, when you're going out and taking pictures and creating this personalized story behind these fishermen behind these boats what's kind of your intention and what's your like what's your goal when you go out with the camera in hand and talking with these guys i really just want to bring to light like you know what their job is i don't think you know truly many people understand what it is like okay i'm a commercial fisherman well, what does that mean? And most people probably wouldn't be able to give you too much of a sense of, oh, they go out into the ocean, they bring back, you know, their catch and that's that. Mm -hmm. Well, what's all the in-between? What's from the time they get to the dock to the time they leave the dock to the product? And I don't think people really, really ever see that because it's, you said a little bit earlier, it's some people have done it, but I think your general idea, like for your average person is like, oh, I saw Deadliest Catch on TV <laughs> or I saw Wicked Tuna. And yeah, like, there's some you know <clears throat> scenes and some content there but like that's kind of where it stops and there's so much more to it all than that so like when i go out i just i try to capture these guys in their natural element and just doing what they do i try to really not be noticed as much as i can and that, i mean obviously there's times that i'm right there front and center you can't really miss me mm -hmm. but they've just kind of learned to just go about their business and do it and 
as I've, you know, got to know them and been around more and more, it's just like that trust, that relationship that's built in the comfortable, like kind of feel of me just being around has definitely evolved. But when I go out, I just want to capture these guys doing what they do, like naturally. I don't want it to be like hammed up for the camera. I don't, I just kind of want to be there and just show what, you know, really what this is. You know, are they fishing? No, whether they're at the docks, well, they're still working. That's the kind of like, right. you know, a fly on the wall. Show. It's like, yeah, you know, if, if they're out, if they're at the dock, if they're doing maintenance, like there's so much more to it than just like going out and trying to capture whatever, you know, your species is, whatever fishery you're going for. Mm-hmm. And so I just really want to show these guys in their natural habitat. I mean, I've heard from some of the, the girls, uh, sorry, the girlfriends and wives just being like, it's so, you know, fun, nice to be able to see my like husband, my boyfriend, just kind of in his element. I never get to see these kind of things because I'm not, I mean, I'm not down there and it's just, it, that's exactly what I do want to do. I just want to show these guys doing what they do best and just, mm-hmm. you know, really kind of be authentic is I guess my general like idea is just authenticity, show these guys doing it kind of show, you know, more than just like the boats coming in and out that there's personalities and people behind all this and, you know, like what's start to finish going on is yeah. kind of, you know, that, and then you throw in some, you know, just different perspectives and just trying to show like, it's, it's not just all, you know, just people, you know, on, you know, some rusted boat here or there. I mean, there's real life going on. There's real implications. There's people doing, you know, some damn hard work and it just, you know, I mean, deserves to be shown. Yeah. So when you, kind of what I go with, when, when you like, how important do you think it is to have that personal connection for that piece of fish on your plate? Right. Because, you know, someone could take for granted that, all right, that fish, you know, I bought at the grocery store and, you know, they just make it at the grocery store. Right. And, and, you know, that's obviously not the case, right? There was a lot of hard work that went into that fillet of fish and, you know, whether it was caught in Alaska here, you know, in Rhode Island or down by you guys, um, there's a culture that goes with that, right? So Mm -hmm. in what ways do you think the importance of reflecting said culture onto the consumer and and how do you think that's going to really change their mindset? Well, I'm hoping that they, you know, through all this, they start to realize that, like, you know, uh, you know, farmed fish is not going to ever be the same as wild caught fish and product. It's if you go to the grocery store, get some product at some, you know, bargain price that you're like happy with because you're upset about, you know, expensive, you know, cost of fish or scallops or whatever it may be, and you're complaining about sustainability and like the seas being ravaged or anything like that. It's well, you know. They, like you said, they never came and did anything about the United States fisheries. They would see that, you know, these are the fisheries that are actually trying to act sustainable. And when you're buying products from overseas, you're not helping the problem at all. When you're buying products from like Viking Village or a place similar to, you know, you're buying a product that's caught by, you know, a handful of guys, harvested correctly, stored correctly, brought home correctly. It's not some factory ship that's been sitting in the sea for months on end trying to just catch or, you know, huge quotas just to make that money. It's people that Yes, they're out there to make a living, but they care about what their product they're putting on their plate. It's a high quality product that's supporting, you know, economies, families, and also offering, like Austin said, a huge source of protein mm-hmm. and just good, healthy food caught sustainably and locally and by people that you might even know. And that makes a big difference in the like grand scheme of things. You know, your you know, food is as fresh as it possibly could be and captured and caught and harvested the right way. It's mm-hmm. it's not something that's just been, you know left in a freezer for a while while they try to capture as much as they can. Yeah. And I I think that goes a long way. I think the more people start to see that they care about, Oh, like where does my product come from? Where am I getting this? Is it local? Is it from somewhere in the United States? Is it being brought in from overseas where I'm 
maybe getting a deal, but like, I don't know what I'm really getting, where it was raised, mm-hmm. where it was caught, how it was caught. Yeah. And that's a good uh, point. I, think, I that, think it does make a difference. That's a, that's a great point you brought up there because, you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but I think it's, what is it? Austin, you could, you could probably, I don't want to, well, yeah, I, I was going to uh, say, I say can, the wrong thing, but it's like what 90% well, of fish that's sold here is, is been caught elsewhere and ex- imported back in. Yeah. I think it's included that it's either caught elsewhere and or imported back in. So meaning mm. American caught fish that was sent out of country, exported to be processed and then came back in. So mm. do as you will. I'm not interested in eating that product. Um, However, yeah, that's 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 the number that, you know, people think that's, you know, just strictly we only produce 10% of the seafood we eat is caught in America. And it's probably a little bit more than that, um, to be completely mm-hmm. honest. But yeah, it's it's not nearly what it should be. But obviously, there's a lot of fish that Americans love to eat that we don't have access to you know, here and, and that's all well and understood. But when you start purchasing product from underdeveloped countries, it's well, yeah, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, well, don't support their economies, because they're trying to, you know, develop and, and I'm but you're incentivizing poor fisheries. Yeah, but it's like, okay, well, let's just not have, I mean, it's pretty much the exact model. uh, I mean, exact opposite of our model, you know, just no regulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's think about how involved the FDA is in, in everything that we do, you know, whether it's temperatures, histamine fish. I mean, I'm not the, like we have an passive manager, you know, at our job that's completely informed on, on all the FDA regulations to keep all of our product fresh, um, tested this, that, the other. And, and it's like, these are the standards and there's standards even more than that. You know, like the certifications within the seafood industry that you can get as processors is, is astonishing. And it just, it's a true testament to seafood traceability. It's a true testament to proving that it's sustainable and that it was sustainably caught. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, now we have like fact sheets, you know, it's like your product comes with where it's coming from, where it was caught, who caught it, this, that, and the other thing. And, and it's just, that's, what's so important. Britain said it so well, um, you know, showing these guys doing their thing and their element. And it's so important to, to, you know, directly support these guys because they're putting their lives on the line to do this. And, uh, when you were talking about like the price of the fish and, and who it's coming from. It, it reminded me of that rugged t-shirt uh, that they made for the crew of the Emmy mm. Rose. Um, mm-hmm. And in the back said, it's not the price of the fish we pay for. It's the soul of the fisherman. And it's just like, that's, that kind of gets me in my feels almost, you know, it's just like, this is real life. Uh, you know, my brother-in-law who I wanted to include on here, he said they took like a 22 foot wave on the bow you know, their last trip, just mm-hmm. boats underwater, you know, it's 28 degrees outside. It's the winter time. You're cutting scallops no, doing, <laughs> you know, bringing money home, you know, like yeah. he's got a family to support. And it's just like, this is what it's all about. This is what he does. That's there's huge risk mm-hmm. in that. There's huge implications. And it's don't, if I tell you what the price is, guess what? I didn't, Austin didn't wake up this morning and, and come up with the price of seafood. 
you know, when, and that's not the price we go off when we sell it. There's, there's things that drive the market into, you know, there's market indicators and there's a seafood auction that, or scallop auction, for example, or, or just the town dock up in Rhode Island, you know, they, they, Mm -hmm. all those draggers up there, you know, we're close to you guys. They dictate the price on a lot of ground fish and stuff. And it's, we go off of what everyone else is doing and it's collective and it's just, yeah, guess what? The price is real high sometimes. And, and that's because of the amount of hard work that came behind it. And right. And it's good. It's supposed to be enjoyed. And, uh, it just kills me that I constantly walk into like BJ's or ShopRite or, you know, Costco. And it's like, Oh, product of Peru product of Chile on the mm-hmm. ski scallops. And mm-hmm. it's like, imagine if we picked up something like them, you know, or like someone like them or, or these corporate big corporate distributors were just committed to selling American seafood, like to, you know, that would be huge and just help the product right. stream and, and I don't know if if one thing that I we always like segue back into is just this whole shared goal with Britain and I just making this personal. Like we want to personalize mm-hmm. this. Know how often there's fish coming in and how long. Like yeah, when I'd say a trip's coming in, that boat might have been out for ten days, and it's like okay, they might come home for three, four, and in between that time, catch up on sleep you know, fix the dredges, well done, you know, new shoe steel, mm-hmm. get more ice, take all the old ice out, uh, you know, maybe hopefully see my wife job. and kids, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it comes at a cost and, but this is, that's the, that's the American commercial fishermen. They chose, like, they don't right. get to dictate their prices. This is, this is a like this is I, the collective, I you th- know, and and yeah, it's a collective, and I think what's really important here is the underlying, you know, mentality of, you know, just voting with your wallet, you know, and I say that a lot. It's like, all right, if you really want to, if you really want to make a difference, right? If you truly care about the American fishery, then go buy American caught fish, right? If you truly care about, you know, having a local farmer, you know raise your beef and slaughter it and and support a local economy well then go to your local farm Mm -hmm. right i mean i think but but then again there's this balance right and people have to obviously be mindful of how much money they're spending if they have a family right and you know and but if you take these small moments and these small steps to make an effort right so maybe you don't buy you know all fish next week right but the fish that you do buy is from your local market and from your local fish broker and is caught right out here in Rhode Island or right in New Jersey or wherever else you live. Right. Right. And then, you know, the next time you go and you invest and you, you try and look up your local farm and you buy a local, you know, a a piece of beef from that farm. So it's like these small steps that really make a bigger impact. If we all kind of go in with the same mentality of let's vote with our wallet. You know, if you want to support, you know, a company that gives back and to the fisheries, then, Rugged Seas is your is your place to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a company that's created a brand around exactly what you guys are trying to do. Yeah. It's like they're trying to tell this story about the fishermen, the American fishermen that's going out, risking their lives, and and they're creating this, you know, 
recycled bib material. They're, they're, they're integrating so many things that are important to the fishery within their one brand. So, you know, I find a lot of crossover there between you guys. And it's really interesting to see, you know, from your perspective, because you're, you're boots on the ground. Like you're in the fish house, right. Britain, like you're on the boats, you're, you're with the camera. And it's this juxtaposition between the two, which I think is exactly what you guys are doing is you're trying to rebrand, you know, I guess at the end of the day, right. you know, and, and, and you know, you, you said it perfectly about, you know, rugged seas. That's, you know, they're, that work is, is awesome. And, and it's people like them and, and other brands, you know, just like extra tough dark seas and Grundens and just they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're sharing our stuff. They're sharing Britain stuff. You know, they're reposting it. They're hitting Britain up being like, Hey, like you have photos of the, like a photo like of this that we can post <laughs> for, cool. you know? And it's like, who would have thought, dude, you know, like this is, that's like, that's real exposure for the market that we're looking to attract because it's like, these are people who are already invested. Like they've already taken the step into being at the, mm. within this industry, whether it's for pleasure or whether they're somehow tied into the commercial fisheries and it's just, they're, they're fishing people. And it's like, that's a great right. place to start, but we want to also reach past just the fishing people mm-hmm. and with help, like brands like that and, and Britain's just been so instrumental in, in helping me make that connection between my company, you know, and, and the faces of hundreds of hardworking dudes that are local guys that, you know, are some are family, some are, you know, just some of our best friends, just, you know, the boys. And it's like, we want to support the boys, yeah. the local boys, you know, like what they're doing is great. And that's, you know, these are brands that support their lifestyle and mm-hmm. and market towards them. And they're in return helping us get our message out. And it's just been really, really fun to see play out. Yeah. And how do you think, I mean, this moving forward, like you guys say you want to be able to really change the, the view of the American fishermen, you know, from a local level. But I mean, you're getting attention already from a national level, right? And, and brands and people from around the country and probably from around the world, I would reckon. So like, where do you guys see this kind of playing out? You know, where, where do you see this, this balance between the, you know, what Britain's doing with the Viking village and then kind of coming together and, and at the, at some point there's going to be like this boiling point where you start to spill over into, you know, reaching that, that person that is making that decision you know, at the fish counter, whether to go with farm raised or local caught, you know, and, and that decision could be based on one of Britain's photos that they saw on Instagram, right. Mm -hmm. Or listening to this podcast or reading an article featuring you guys. So like there's, there's going to come a point in time where, where, you know, and I'm sure it already has in many ways where all of a sudden you start to see traction with this. So like, where do you guys see that going in the future? I definitely think we're seeing some of that traction, mm-hmm. uh, like now towards, you know, coming up on the like whole year from when this all started, I think we're starting to see more of that now stuff that we didn't really think would, you know, ever really happen or didn't really anticipate. Um, one of the articles or sorry, the article from national fisherman was like a nice little starting mm-hmm. point and not even a little start. Point. I mean, that's an that's awesome huge. thing. Yeah, that was, that's awesome. that was a lot of work <laughs> on Anna's, uh, and she, you know, had reached out to him a while ago and then stayed in contact with him. And then they, you know, talked to her about like, Hey, we want to put the story in there and, you know, can't thank her enough for really being, you know, you know, a pinnacle part of like all what's been going on with all that. 
but you know, national fishermen, different brands, you know, people have reached out just because they saw the article national fishermen or started following Viking village or myself because of national fishermen just said like, Hey, like, you know, this hit home for X, Y, or Z. And I, I, I think it's almost just beginning. Um, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what that boiling point is going to be, but I mean, it would be a dream to just keep on doing this. I think, um, you know, we, not only just Viking Village, but Ann and I have traveled up and down to like Point Pleasant, Atlantic City, uh, Portland, Maine, quite a few times, and just doing the same thing every working waterfront we can go to. And just we're making it more of like, yes, Viking Village is home base and like home turf, and that's always going to be, you know, the focus. Mm-hmm. But, you know, kind of bringing the idea, the fun, other places. And in doing so, we've had great relationships um, being built or meeting people in Portland. And some other places and you know some other stuff on the horizon hopefully so i mean to to say it's going one place or the other i i really don't know i just really hope we can continue to just keep doing this and you know bringing more light to it and i mean hopefully maybe a book one day or something like that with all the photos <laughs> yeah. but who's to say i i don't think there's a direct path for it i think it's kind of unfolding as we go but i mean i just want to continue to bring a lot of awareness and focus on content to provide austin with as much as I can, as well as other docs and stuff. I, I just find it so much fun to shed light on it and just kind of capture it in a more than just a camera phone kind of way to, but just bring some, you know, artistic flair to it or mm-hmm. just, you know, like a real look at what's going on and like take the time to build the relationships and meet the people and not just try to show up and take some photos and run away without ever saying hi to anybody. It's, right. I find it to be about the relationship you build or else those people don't really want you around their dock or working with them. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, right. you're just a guy with a camera just spying on them. But if you build those relationships and get through to them and show, like, Hey, like I'm, I'm doing this because I want to show you guys at your absolute best. And I think that's been pretty cool. Yeah. So, and who doesn't love a picture taken of themselves, yeah. right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I've also heard some funny things about some of the fishermen showing up on uh, like dating profiles with my, some of my photos. So. Uh, that's funny. That's pretty funny. Uh, I've seen yeah, it once or twice from some girls that I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no denying that uh, there's more than just one Britain out there. Um, you know, there's there's a handful of guys that we've seen doing some very similar great work. You know, and. And the coolest part is it's not like, oh, look what they're doing. It's hell yeah. Like another one, like sick. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we want. Yeah. It's the forward momentum. It's like we're seeing more of these towns having like a Britain there and pushing out that content of the working waterfront and the commercial fishing industry. And it's just like it's it, we're kind of becoming our own little network um, that kind of all mm-hmm. just started on okay. social media and Honestly, for me, it's a huge advantage because I know I understand how old I am. You know, I'm only 26 and it's this is something I'm certainly committed to. Um, And I just know that there's going to be a stage for me to have to to fight on, you know, to to continue this lifestyle for these guys working, you know, whether it's alongside of them for them. It's just the constant advocating, Mm -hmm. the constant, uh, you know, just being there when you're supposed to be there, whether it's in Washington, whether it's in Trenton, it's just, you have to show face to keep the relation there. And that's something that I think is going to be amazing to see how we kind of all already know each other when we're all there together. And, uh, yeah. And it's a very outspoken and, and very intelligent community. I've actually, uh, 
I've been blown away by just just the amount of kids who just are just so overly intelligent and, and how they do everything, uh, you know, whether it's land-based stuff like, like we're doing or, or even out on the boats. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think there's a huge uh, bright future uh, for commercial fishing. Um, and, you know, I'm hoping with, with the current administration's sustainability goals that he sees his, you know, that Noah's done a really good job with fisheries management to, uh, to, you know, provide stepping stones for a sustainable future. And, you know, that's, that's what we want. That's what we need is, is securing the future of the fisheries. And, um, it, it all starts yeah. in, in with the informed consumer and the educated consumer. And, um, ultimately Britain can catch anyone's attention with his work and I can do my best to, to educate and, and together. It's just that it's been so much fun and and i feel like i get way too much credit it's like oh your pictures are so good and it's like no 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 <laughs> like let's get this straight okay i'm <laughs> using my buddy's you know photos and and please check him out and it's like he he does not get the phone calls from different customers that i would get and and get these compliments from from different extents of the industry and and they're truly mm-hmm. owed to him and I I'd have a very hard time doing this, um, you know, without Britain and, and it's appreciated amongst all the salesmen, you know, and like, that's, that's another thing I haven't really been talking about. Like there's a lot of money we're talking about here selling fish, like a lot (laughs) of money. And, uh, these dudes work hard for, to make good money and, uh, and they have to be good dudes to make, you know, good money. And, and they have, you know, it's we we have a really clean cut operation in Barnegat Light, and it's one that we're proud of. And uh, and it's and it's exactly the whole mentality of just the constant exposure for the good. Mm-hmm. Tell the story. Yeah, tell the story. What I don't know. You know, I could go on and on about this. It's just been so <laughs> exciting. And and sales. Oh, I was talking about sales. Yeah. And hey. There's customers that they know it's like they can just call us because they don't have to bother seeing what product we're going to have today. It's like, all right, this boat's mm-hmm. rolling in, get it day one, it's done. They're stoked. You know, they know at 730 mm-hmm. in the morning before the boat's even packed out. And it's, I'm, you know, it's facilitation. That's not my goal. Like there's thankfully our product is, is sought after and, Thankfully, yeah, what like you guys demand, are doing is building that relationship. Yeah, the, the demand know? is very, th- like you know, very strong for our product. You know, across all of our fisheries, and and a lot of time, our product can sell itself. But putting personalizing the product even to the customer has just been such an experience. You know, talking to different companies who are like, oh, well, I think we should have some more of like communications or PR, and mm-hmm. our marketing guys do need to talk to you and like it's it's crazy some of the companies that you know are just so blown away with britain's photography and and what we're doing together and they want to be a part of it too and it's very it's been very inclusive that's that's what we're all about it's not like it we're all for one message and if if you fit the bill and it plays within it hey jump on our team you know like yeah no I'm, i'm the same way it's like 
you know, there's this quote that I've, I've, uh, I think I've said it before, but it's, if you're going to build a building, if you're going to build the biggest building, build the biggest building, don't go around tearing other people's down, you know? Right. And, right. you know, if you really want to build a, a community with a lot of big buildings, you got to get the community together, you know, and that, and that's exactly what you guys are doing. And, you know, it's, it's seeing other Instagram profiles and people that are doing the same thing and pumping them up and, and in creating that collaboration that is, that's what it's all about, you know, cause that same community that's found on the docks is found online. Right. And, and that, that community online is what's going to perpetuate this, you know, beyond absolutely. what's just at Viking village. Sure. Right. It's going to perpetuate it up here in Rhode Island in California and in Texas and wherever else, you know, there's coastline or even on the interior. Right. I mean, I'm not too well versed on what the fishing that goes on the lakes, but I'm sure there might be some. Sure. You yeah. Know? Um, but, uh, you know, walleye, walleye. There you go. Yeah. Do they commercially <laughs> fish that? No, probably not. I don't think so. Um, I know there's a lot of charter boats for walleye. Some of my friends run them out, yeah, out of I, Ohio. But I know nothing about, <laughs> I don't think there's any commercial need, but a great fish fry by all means. Yeah. Good fish fry. But you know, that's what it's all about is, is like creating relationships, building a community, you know, both within, you know, on the docks and just kind of bringing that to life. And I just, I love what you guys are doing and uh, it's just been great to be able to chat with you. So, you know, if someone is interested in getting involved with what you guys are doing, how can they do? Um, well, there's a couple Instagram accounts to follow. Uh, first and foremost, um, Britain is Couch Chronicles on Instagram. Uh, Viking Village is Viking Village LBI on Instagram. LBI is for Long Beach Island. And uh, he's talked about community. And I have to that's, you know give a shout out that we live in such, like one of the best short communities, uh, you know, in, in the United States, in my opinion. Uh, just we, I've... The amount of history that's here, the the local camaraderie is just fantastic, and and we do have great local support for our commercial fishing industry, and like that's that's our biggest support factor is is from directly the local community, um, and and the islanders. But um, yeah, you can check us out there. Uh, our my website's on there, VikingVillage.net. Um, I do, you know, a product update pretty regularly. I do, uh, you know, like a bi-weekly email product update. If you wanted to subscribe to that, you can on the website. And um, if anything, uh, buy wild-caught, you, you know, fish of the United States. That's <laughs> that's that's why I'm here. That's the message Absolutely. that that we share. And, uh, and know that you are directly supporting some legends you know just absolute legends and that means they're good dudes hardworking dudes you know they put it all on the line to provide for their families and uh you know i have a lot of pride you know being american and uh, i know they do too and and i love doing this you know directly for you know the the greater american economy and you know we're, we're providing a great great product for this country together and and from every every person within this network you know there's so many people forgotten about um you know i can't give thanks to everyone constantly you know <laughs> for all the hard work when i talk about you know product coming in but just know how many hands how many souls you know 
how many dads are on that boat with how many kids are at home you know it's it's real life they're human and uh you know i just think it's important for us as a uh you know ocean based and ocean minded community to to really you know educate yourself because if you're having you know questions there's tons of information about you know us fish and sustainability online um mm-hmm. you know noaa fisheries they have tons of data on there that will directly support everything that I'm saying that us is the model for fisheries management at the moment, you know, and our stocks are very healthy and we're constantly seeing stocks being brought back from overfish status. And it's like, mm-hmm. these are success stories, you know, scallops are a success story, you know, and tilefish are a success story. And it's like, it's, it's all these things that, uh, you know, just management has, is they're looking out for the future and and so educate yourself and and if you know i want to be talking about educating yourself check out that 30 by 30 petition we're very disappointed by it the world surf league thought it was a great idea to support this whole campaign to start closing off different areas of the ocean it's okay what there'd be more fish living there but it's not going to protect the ocean by any means you know pollution Mm. climate change these are the things that we need to be passionate about um, you know, single use plastics, like every last part of it, like, okay, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear it, don't want to hear recycling. Well, don't come at the fishermen until we're going to start approaching this as a, as a nation and as a community. And, and we're just looking and again, it comes back to, to the seat of the table. Concept, yeah. And, you know, and, you know, just, just think about us when you're eating your seafood, when you're ordering your seafood, think about this conversation, think about checking out our pages and, and seeing the faces of who who's producing your seafood and uh you know mm-hmm. it's just know that if you buy fresh local big eye from us or from a fish market where it says local it's probably you know coming coming from us you know in our community if if you're here you know i don't know people are all across the u.s are listening to this but <laughs> I hope yeah so. and it's it's just you know it's if you're in the lbi community think local and uh when you're buying your seafood in New Jersey, you know, think local everywhere. You got to start thinking local. The West Coast has great local market, um, you know, and it's just a, such a huge step to take. But you have to realize that there's so many supporting fisheries in the United States that give access mm-hmm. to sustainable proteins at lower cost points that taste great. That tastes absolutely great. Right. Like winter skate, that's not the most expensive fish out there. Okay, no one's going to go and tell you that it is. Or spiny dogfish. But guess what? It's a sustainable source of protein that's at a really great mm-hmm. cost. And because, like, hey, that's what we're doing. We're, we're part of the food supply. And, uh, right. and we're only fishing in fisheries that have been researched, studied thoroughly, you know, and mm-hmm. I truly believe in what I'm doing. Um, Britain clearly believes in, in what we're doing as a whole. And and with him, you know, it's just got to give him a lot of thanks. And we came across you because, like you said, you know, it's we're a community online, too, of Ocean Minded and mm-hmm. uh, just the amount of support there. I just thought, you know, if, if someone's going to want to listen to something about fisheries and, and the and what's going on in the U.S. and and how that they can help contribute and think forward and mm-hmm. 
and you know vote with your wallet i think we have uh, a good fighting chance and and that's what i'm going to be doing a lot probably for the rest of my life is fighting for this industry but i'm ready for it and i'd like some some help from the rest of our country in that fight you know <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely well guys uh pleasure to have you guys on the show and uh yeah i can't wait to stay in touch and keep this conversation going and just perpetuating the good word all right zach absolutely thank, thank you for you having us much, yeah man. thanks guys all right Take care. all right team Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Along the Keel. Every single episode I enjoy more and more. And this one was certainly different, but at the same time, something that, you know, I think was in need of uh, discussing. You know, a lot of these fishermen, uh, they face a lot of scrutiny, um, not only from a regulatory perspective, but also just from the general public. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So being able to talk with these guys and really sit down with, you know, people that are invested into the fishing industry, both from, you know, talking with the guys on the fishing boat, but also from a perspective of, all right, how do we really bring to light and educate people on this industry? Having had people on the podcast who are commercial fishermen, um, like the guys from Rugged Seas, as well as some other, you know, charter fishermen like Tom Rowland. So, you know, it's interesting to hear different perspectives and that's exactly what this podcast is it's it's hearing the perspectives from people and learning about their stories and talking to the brands to otherwise create a better environment for all so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show um the biggest thing that i took away from this episode was the fact that you know yes are there people out there that are doing the wrong thing a hundred percent but are there people out there doing the right thing Yes. And, and that's the cool thing about it is, okay, these fishermen aren't just guys out there ravaging the oceans. Mo most of them are conservationists. Most of them really, truly care about the fish swimming in the ocean and how it affects our environment because it's our livelihood, right? So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. Check us out on alongthekeel.com. Tune in to every episode dropping on Mondays. And check us out on Instagram, Facebook and like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. And if you would, go sign up for a newsletter. We got some really cool things coming. And I know I keep saying that, but we have a new website launching come July, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So with that, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the show. Make sure to work hard, do good, be incredible, and have an awesome day.